HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. If you're listening to this episode of Agave Road Trip because you're outraged by the release of a Cristalino-style mezcal, if you see Maluma's Contraluz mezcal as some kind of assault on the cultural fabric of Mexico in general and Oaxaca in specific— then I'm going to ask you to put your money where your mouth is. Since 2009, Seconda has been doing the hands-on work to help support Oaxaca's underserved communities. And this Mexican NGO has been doing this work with the financial support of fewer listeners than we have for this podcast. If you're angry about Mezcal Cristalino, well, hey, spoiler alert, as you'll hear in this episode, I think your anger is misdirected, but anger can be fuel. And I hope you'll take that anger and do something productive. Donate $10 to Seconda, a Oaxacan organization that works to preserve the cultural fabric of their state. Make your tax-deductible contribution at buildoaxaca.com. That's buildoaxaca.com. Make your anger actually mean something. I am Lou Bank. I am Chapariwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, critically acclaimed podcast that helps green gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today we're talking about your favorite music gender. <laughs> I, I, my gender. Well, let's I, like, genre. Yeah, like I always genre. I think you mean genre, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> Honestly, it's funny. So um, today, Chava, yes, we're going to talk about this new brand that was launched. Uh, to, uh, I would say, much acclaim with the general public and much scorn with the the agave geeks that uh, that we travel amongst. Well, not even like hardcore agave geeks. I was seeing all these kind of people that may post or or talk about agave spirits every once in a while, and they will still scorching this. <laughs> so what is this? 
This is the new mezcal cristalino that was just released by Casa Lumbre, which mm -hmm. has been responsible for releasing a bunch of other spirits like Ancho Reyes. I love the Ancho Reyes. I need more Ancho Reyes. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, stop making those obscene noises, please, Luke. <laughs> and uh, Monte Lobos, amongst many other brands, and they released uh, arguably, is, is it really the first Cristalino Mezcal? Oh, like you and I would know. If, if, yeah. it's, if, if it's not, the first one did a, a lousy job of uh, announcing themselves. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that could be very true. Yeah. So it is arguably the first Cristalino Mezcal. Uh, it was announced in partnership with Maluma, which, uh, again, <laughs> you, uh, you love reggaeton. I've seen you dance reggaeton. Is that Luke. what he is? It's reggaeton? <laughs> I'm not actually, I'm actually not tremendously sure. Uh, I, I think. Uh... <laughs> which, you know, which I think is sort of key to all of this, right? Like, I'm not the market for this. I like, clearly, I don't know who Maluma is. And, you know, like. Well, you, you've probably listened to his music while out of Starbucks or something. But uh, I'm never in a Starbucks. Like, yeah. I, 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 I get what you're saying. Like, maybe I heard it, but clearly it didn't speak no, to my soul in a way that made me want to find out who that was. I'm not the market yeah. for it. I'm not the market yeah. for it. And the, so the, the brand is called Contra Luz? Contra Luz. Yes, correct. Is that against love? What is that? No, that's uh, like, uh, you know, when a silhouette, it's, uh, it's made because it's against the light. Ah, How okay. do you say that in English? I, There's I, not a word for it. Uh, a shadow, not a shadow. Eh, but whatever. you know, the, like anyway. the, the silhouette that it's uh, silhouette formed when that some... works. That works. We yeah, like silhouette. Okay, which which I think it's a cool name. So anyway, let's get to it. Right. So it, this was this was immediately drubbed online. <laughs> For, you know, I felt like two reasons. One, for, you know, celebrity brand owner who I never heard of. So, okay, whatever. And uh, two, for being a Cristalino within Mezcal, which, you know, to, 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 unless they've updated the DO, um, there is no definition of what a Cristalino is. But we realize that this bottle is both certified artesanal and reposal. Right, and and so it's it clear, two... which means okay, then clearly somebody has filtered out all the color, which in essence is what we all understand Cristalino to mean. Though I don't think there is any kind of legal definition. And I think even before we start going on like our very precious opinions about this, uh, I I knew there was something about this that I didn't understand because I, I just felt weird about all the pushback around it. And I was lucky enough to be in a conversation we with our friend, Eric Sandona. What? Okay. Yeah. Eric Sandona, the spirits author and consultant. Yes. Which I had the privilege to meeting at the ADI spirits competition. And he, he just, he, he, he gave us a quote that I think made both of us like really <laughs> reconsider this. So here he goes. Crystalinos to me are not like, it wasn't surprising to me that they are a thing. The technology of essentially filtering out color from age spirits has been around since the 19th century. According to stories, uh, the guy who started Bacardi sort of kind of came up with the idea. Puerto Rican rum by law has to be aged in wood vessels. And so all aged Puerto Rican or all white Puerto Rican rum means that it's had the color stripped out through filtering. So it's not a surprise to me that the tequila industry 
decided to adopt this technology that's been around forever in rum and apply it to their premium spirits. There's also at the same time, this trend in uh, bottle service in clubs that people love white spirits in bottle service. Vodka is by far the largest seller in, in clubs and bottle service. And so tequila is a growing segment in the, you know, uh, category in the world and in the U.S. And so it's no surprise to me that these two things sort of merge and you get Cristalino, that you have a, a desire from brands to sell more and you have this technology that makes spirits look a certain way that people want to drink. You know, it's funny, Chava. So thank you, Eric. That was great. Actually, that was like so insightful and so completely unexpected. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it's funny. You said gave us, what did you say? It gave us more insight. What did you say? Well, it, it just made me think about this in a completely different way. I don't know what I said before, but I, <laughs> I, I know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> well, okay. So the thing, what did this make you think? Well, what this made me think is that in the 1900s, there was already a group of people that wanted... So, you know, like, I, I Wait, think didn't about... He, didn't he actually say 1800s? Well, uh, Bacardi started in the 1800s, but then yeah, there you go. this technology was implemented in 1900s. Uh, and this just made me think that, you know, like, there has been people that... When you're consuming alcohol, it's an all-encompassing experience. You want it to look a certain way, you want it to, to, to taste a certain way, and there, and we say this in the show all the freaking time, there's not one right way for that to come across. Clearly. There's people, there's very different people around the world, thank the Lord, and they all will be asking for different things. So, for example, like I'm, I really agree with Eric when I'm, uh, I haven't been in a club in a while, but when I'm dancing, <laughs> like I don't want to be drinking some brown spirits. It feels, Seriously? Yeah, it feels bizarre. Like I, I really prefer to drink something that it's clear and it just somehow in my brain that means more energy. When, uh, so that's when you're dancing. What about when you're playing chess? When I'm playing chess, yeah. uh, I don't drink alcohol. I'm going to lose immediately if I'm playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll definitely play chess on the next road trip. You know, here's the thing that it brought my head back to, and I I think you're going to love this comparison. Oh, Lord. No, no, okay. seriously. That's not even sarcasm, Chava. Okay, so, okay. so, you know, there's this um, tradition in some communities where if the mezcal isn't yellowish-orange, isn't tinged from rust... They don't trust it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, that's Mixteca Alta kids, no? Well, it's a it's a number of places, right? Like okay. there's even there's even. But you even, have to explain. You have to explain what this. Uh, where does this color come from? Yeah. yeah so in you know when you when you distill, you're in essence trying to separate alcohol from water, and you do that by turning the alcohol into a vapor by in essence. Uh, heating up the ferment above the boiling point of alcohol, 173 degrees, and below the boiling point of water, 212. It floats up, and then it needs to be recondensed into a liquid so that we can drink it. Mm -hmm. And that is done usually with cold water in some kind of vessel. I shouldn't say usually. This is done in these, what do you, what do you call them, internal capture stills? Well, in internal capture, like which a lot of people call Filipino stills, which I yeah. argue it's not but, the right way to call them, but yeah, internal but, but, capturation stills. But the most common kinds of stills that you'll see around Mexico, um, if you hang out with us, if you yeah. hang out in tequila, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 hang out a second. There's this place called tequila. Um, so 
in some of these communities, the vessel they use to hold that cold water, so the vessel that the spirit touches to condense back into a liquid from a from a gas, is made from tin, mm-hmm. and the tin will rust. And when it rusts, when the when the when the the vapor, the alcohol vapor hits that condenser, it's going to pick up a little bit of that rust color when it drops down. So everything that comes out of there is a little yellow, orange, rusty, mm. and it's and it's perfectly healthy to drink. I checked this with some of my uh, some of my my sciency friends. <laughs> Though we should probably ask doctors, Ryan, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. doctors. Well, not always doctors. Sometimes they're just sciency friends who work at NASA. Um, and you know, it's it's perfectly fine uh, to drink. But so so here's the point I'm getting to. Right, is that um, in some of these communities, the people who had their families had traditionally been making mezcal for you know decades, if not hundreds of years, using this system, the locals became accustomed to drinking it with that color. Then gringos come in and they're like, no, 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 this is adulterated. And in order to service us, they start to make it clear. They stopped using the tin. Yeah, they just changed to like, you know, a, a copper uh, or condenser. Or stainless, yeah. Or stainless, something, something that didn't have rust on it. But And so we are suddenly drinking it, and we're happy with it, and yet the locals don't trust it, and they won't drink it. Jesus, and you know another example of this? I <laughs> Wait, love that you're second. making just, this. That's what I wanted to hear. I knew yes. you'd love that comparison. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. So we, we, we've been pushing for Cristalinos. Uh, even the geek community has been pushing for there Cristalinos. You go. And you know another example of that? Javali. How do you mean? Oh, well, wait. Yeah. Explain. Uh, course, the, most of the times they have to distill three times Javali because it gets super yellowish. So yes. because they understand that a bunch of the geek community that it's looking for the Havali prefers their spirits really clear, they will do three to four distillations to get it as clear as possible. And I personally love the more yellowish thing because it has more of the <laughs> crazy Havali flavor into it. Huh. So we've been also pushing for Cristalinos in, in the Havali context. You know, and this also takes me back to the interview that I did with uh, with another spirits author, Chuck Cowdery, right? We haven't released this episode that I'm going to talk about yet where we talked about uh, aging in wood, right? But I, I interviewed Chuck, and we're, this interview is being recorded, and we're going to release this, like, next week. I think this is an important episode. It's timely. Um, but I interviewed Chuck about barrel aging, and he started talking to me about the difference between holding spirits in wood, which everybody did, and intentionally aging. And right, and and he he and this isn't in the episode, but he gave me this whole uh, uh speech about how the the when they started they started doing it intentional aging uh, for themselves the producers of these spirits of whiskeys primarily and then um, when they started bringing them to market when they brought them to market one guy and i don't remember which we'll put this in the notes chuck will be angry i don't remember but i wasn't prepared to talk about this because it's <laughs> but um there was one uh guy in particular who was referring to this as the oh, was it the, the the true goods or the right goods but it was a phrase that was used instead of just calling it aged whiskey, it was mm-hmm. like the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and my theory is they started calling the other stuff that wasn't aged, because it, you know, it came right off, it was clear. The stuff that wasn't aged, they were calling it uh initially that was what whiskey was. 
yeah, then yeah, they had the to have a dog. different. Yeah. Well, it wasn't white dog. It was whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah. This yeah, is exactly yeah, yeah. my point. But then they start using this other phrase, the good stuff, the the the, the true stuff, whatever that phrase is, and it feels like that same guy who started that must have been the guy who said, "What do you want? You want the good stuff, or do you want the white dog?" Mm. That it had to have been pejorative. Absolutely, and 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 this is fascinating because again, like as Eric was was, was suggesting, there's like the, your first question was like, where is our Cristalino bourbon? Where is our Cristalino scotch? Mm-hmm. Where is our Cristalino Armagnac? And what which he says that there's like Blanche Armagnac, which is just unaged Un- Armagnac, different, yeah, yeah, but. He's saying like, but those are completely different segments. You're talking in the scotch and whiskey drinkers with people that are obsessed over the brownness. And you well, actually see a lot of these brands adding I, artificial colors to get it to get them more brown. It's almost like living in different regions in the world. And I mean, for me, it's I, I don't even know if I should do this comment. I won't. So what were you going to say? Well, I, like I get what you're saying. I just don't believe it. And and what I mean by that is I think that in the same way that you are saying and that Eric was saying that there is a market for these clear spirits that exists out there, which I firmly believe because otherwise (laughs) they wouldn't. Otherwise Maluma, Maluma, did I say right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Otherwise Maluma wouldn't have a brand of Cristalino Mezcal. So it must exist, right? I just think... We don't, we like, there hasn't been a Maluma yet for cognac. There hasn't been a Maluma, which, you know, maybe the rules wouldn't allow that, but I think that somebody is going to figure out that, wait a minute, if they're drinking all these clear spirits for all these bottle services everywhere and they have to be clear, somebody's going to do it to their whiskey. Somebody's going to. Yeah. And also, you know, like just in, a, in, a, in terms of flavor experimentation, like I find it so interesting that you know like again we we're probably not the market for this spirit but it's it's like i think all of us will agree that we are really interested in more people drinking straight or trying to drink the the spirit directly like in its original form and i think these are bridges towards a bunch of people that might be intimidated or that might not oh. find something appealing and not even intimidated that won't find something appealing you know like a 52 54 abb you know i i was thinking about jeans the other day and uh yeah like, like genetics uh, no like blue jeans <laughs> okay <laughs> so you know I, like i i bought the other day like i i went into this very specialized store and the guy there actually it's a big fan of mezcal so i told him like can you give me the equivalent of a 52 abb spirit in jeans he gave me this super thick uh, denim that when you put it on, it's almost like wearing cardboard and it takes you two freaking months to break into that. And it's painful and it's horrible. You cannot quite wash them. It's so much maintenance. And I was like, oh, like, I really love how this looks, but I don't know if I'm, I'm there to put like all this work just for some pants. And then I went back the other day. I was like, okay, I have my 52. I appreciate it. Can I have something that I can just wear? quickly <laughs> that it's not uncomfortable that it looks almost the same and that and that it's you know like still high quality and he gave me something that has two percent plastic or an elastom- elastomer yeah. in there and it's such a dream to wear that thing from day one so <laughs> like <laughs> so in essence if i follow what you're saying is 
he should make a Cristalino version of the 52 ABV blue jeans by getting some other tall, skinny Mexican kid to wear them for a couple of months and then sell them to you. Yeah, he actually did that. He has a <laughs> lot. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. Well, like you're making jokes. That, I mean, this is so off joke, but he has, he, he owns a lab equipment company and yeah. he has a lot of employees. So he told them, not with pants, because that could be gross, but with jackets that they will, that if they were to wear a jacket every day to get it to its perfect style, uh, they w- he will pay them, I don't know what amount of money. So he had all his employees <laughs> at the lab just dressed with super expensive denim every day. But, you know, you're saying it's off topic, Java, and I think this is 100% on topic. Really, what you're talking about, and this is a theme that comes up a lot in, in our, maybe not in our podcast, but certain in our presentations, um, is that the market defines what the companies produce. It's really easy to to sit on our high horses and complain about, you know, what what this company is putting out, but the truth of it is they wouldn't be putting it out if there weren't a market for it. It's not like it's not like they they're trying to lose money. And, and Mexicans drink crazy amounts of Cristalino. Like, I, I, I was drinking and, Cristalino and, without, without knowing it was Cristalino because a few brands were sponsoring a bunch of cultural and art events for a while here. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, it's only the gringos are drinking this thing. Right. You know, I, in fact, it's funny. The first time this hit my radar, my memory, and I couldn't find anything to substantiate this, but my memory is that you told me that it's only Mexicans who are drinking Cristalino, which sounds like a kind of thing you would have said after you were a, a couple copitas in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, so I don't know, like it just, like, I, I think that, you know, getting over the top aggressive in criticizing these kind of things, mm-hmm. it's a complete disservice to the category because we are trying to make it stiffer and try to make it what a few, like a group of people and the very limited information they have about Mezcal, like, because I I think you and I understand, and I think that's the very exciting thing is we don't have not even a third of the picture of what Mezcal is or Agave Spirits are to this day. There's so much, so many communities we still have to visit, so many books we have to read, so many things we have to try. So, 2022 is not the moment. And I don't know if there will ever be a moment to say this is what traditional agave spirits are and that's it. That's the beginning, the middle of the end. I just think that's over the top silly. Yeah, and and I'll add, I 100% agree and I'll add to that that I I think you can expend a lot of energy hating something and you're you're expending it primarily within a group of other people who probably aren't the target market for this, just as you and I aren't. I mean, I'm certainly going to try it when I see it, um, but I'm guessing that's not meant for us. But I, I think it's probably more productive and and makes you feel a lot better to instead talk about the things you do like. Focus on what is good. Cause uh, oh, yeah, sorry, sir. No, I'm good. Go ahead. No, no, no. And and just one last thing that I wanted to talk about, because this is something that I kept saying over and over again. And I know this is going too long, but I'm going to I'm going to try to be really fast. I started I a, a significant amount of the comments that I saw around this were centered on how this was going to destroy the communities, like how this was going <laughs> to abuse the the resources that are available in the community. And I was like, if you're trying to make this argument because it's a big company well, like, tell me 
like how their how their practices, right? The fact right. that you are big doesn't mean you're evil. Like I think that's that's very well understood in these days. And the second thing is like I don't you know like even if I try really hard to think how a cristalino can be more environmentally offensive than a hundred percent tepestate, there's just nothing there. Like what is it in the price of making cristalino? More em- environmentally offensive than well, anything else. Okay, so on this one, I'm going to push back because, oh. you know, and, and it's not the fact that it's Cristalino, but the fact that I guarantee you that this is made from uh, uh, Espadine, from row after row after row of monoculture Espadine. And, you know, and that. Well, you don't know. You don't know. Uh, okay, you want to put a bet on it? Like, But, you know, I, I'm not going to attack it for that because so many of the brands that we love. Are that as well, but it's definitely more environmentally offensive than, uh, say, the Tepestate or I, I guess it, uh, the, the Marmorata made by uh, Ildefonso in Puebla. Mm-hmm. I, I I've never seen a field of farm-grown Tepestate, <laughs> but 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 you know I think that's you know that's a side note to this. You know I think the the bigger piece here is. <sighs> Look, there's a market for it. They're fulfilling the market demand. Yeah. And you know, if 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 there was going to be a brand like this coming out, I frankly would rather have somebody like Ivan Saldana crafting it because I trust him. I trust him to do like he knows how to do big stuff in a a reasonably uh, a good way. So Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm good with that. So I guess uh that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Hasta pronto. Okay. Adios, adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.